Before I jump into the message, um, I want to read something. I've probably read this here once or twice, but how many, I, I know we all like to laugh, right? We, 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 like, we like something funny, right? So I, I've probably read this, I'm sure I've read this once or twice here, but I was reading it this morning. I thought, I just want to read this again because I think it's so funny. So if you've heard it, um, just act like you haven't heard it before. If you hadn't heard it, just get a laugh out of this one. So a little girl was talking to her teacher about whales and how she had heard in Sunday school about how a whale had swallowed Jonah. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because though it was a very large mammal, its throat was very small. The little girl remained steadfast in her position and reiterated that indeed a whale had swallowed Jonah. Irritated, the teacher again stated that a whale could not swallow a human. It was physically impossible. The little girl said, I'm not sure how it happened, but when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. The teacher replied smugly, what if Jonah isn't in heaven? The little girl replied, then you can ask him. So uh, <laughs> every time I read that, I'm like, go girl. That's, 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 that, that's awesome. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about the value or the importance of being on the same page with Jesus. Being on the same page with Jesus. And we all know what I mean by getting on the same page with Jesus, right? Here's what you have to understand about Jesus. And I'm not being hard this morning. I'm just being, yeah, this is just honest, okay? Um, Jesus is not going to get on your page. Jesus is not going to get on your page, you have to determine that you're going to get on his page. Can somebody say me to that? In other words, you know, I think that we've got a problem in Christianity today. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I believe in Western Christianity. And, and it's that we have um, defined Christianity, then we've redefined it. And if we didn't like something about it, we redefined it again. And we've just continued to redefine and redefine things until we find one that we're fine with. Does that make sense? In other words, if I don't like this version of Christianity, let's just redefine it and make another one until we just keep doing it until we're like, okay, we're good with this one. But the reality of it, of this is, is that, that Jesus has a page that we are called to be on and he loves us way too much to negotiate on that. Okay. And so I want to jump in to um, step back in time to uh, a, a ministry time when Jesus, when Jesus was on the earth. And, and I love the Gospels because it allows us the, the privilege of going and walking with Jesus. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us the account of Jesus. And he's moving throughout the, uh, throughout the regions and he's, he's doing things. And, and if, as you're, you're, you're walking through and going through different places and experiencing life and doing life with Jesus in, in that time... Uh, there are a couple things that really will jump out at you in regards to Jesus. Number one is, is that he loves people. Is there anybody here this morning that's thankful that Jesus loves people? Yeah. All right. And, and here's the reason I, I say that is because Jesus didn't go uh, sit in a temple somewhere and say, hey, the Messiah is here. Everybody come see Jesus. Right. Uh, Jesus moved around uh, around people. He moved through uh, through people and the crowds and because he loved to interact with people. And I, I was uh, uh, interviewed not long ago on a, a podcast. And the, uh, the, the person asked me, do you think that Jesus was fun to be around? 
And, and I said, absolutely, I believe that Jesus was fun to be around. And here's the reason I believe that. There was a time where the kids were just flocking to Jesus. They were just running towards Jesus. And the, remember that? The disciples were saying, hey, get the kids away from Jesus. And Jesus was like, no, let them come to me. Well, to me, that says that Jesus was fun because kids like people who are fun, right? And so that's one of the things that I just love. You saw the, the, the humanity in Jesus and you, you saw the, you just saw just the, the realness. Jesus was real and Jesus was genuine. So that was one of the characteristics that you see in Jesus. But another one is, is that he preached and he taught a lot. And one of the things that he preached about a lot, he taught about a lot, was uh, his, 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 his kingdom. And, and, and so a lot of times when we read and we see the kingdom of God, and, and it's, it's written in the Gospels a lot, uh, Matthew uses the, the terms uh, kingdom of heaven. They're both talking about the same thing. It can be a bit confusing. And so I'm going to explain that a little bit before we move forward uh, this morning. And, and so one of the times that Jesus was teaching about the kingdom was it was the early part of his ministry. And Jesus Jesus had, had just recently finished gathering the, the originals, right? The original disciples, the original 12. He just got to um, uh, gathering them. So their, their relationship with him is new, and they're, they're kind of figuring this thing out. And so Jesus preaches this message about a sower going out and sowing seed. And, and, and so at the end of uh, this message... Uh, to this crowd of people, this large crowd of people, he, he gives this sort of strange wrap-up with his sermon. He said this, he said, hey, if there's anybody here that has ears to hear, let them hear. Again, listen to this. He said, if there's anybody here that has ears to hear, talking about this large crowd of people that he's just preached to, if there's anybody here that has ears to hear, let them hear. Right. And so then it says after afterwards, the disciples, his, the 12 that he originally uh, that he had gathered, they they got with him and they asked him this question. They said, Jesus, what did you mean by that message that you preached earlier? So I got a question. This is not Bible school or anything. You know, don't, you, you don't worry about getting the answer wrong. But my question is this this morning. How do we know who had ears to hear? How, how do we know? Of the crowd of people that Jesus spoke to, and he gave this invitation, he, he gave this question to, how do we know which ones had ears to hear? And I believe the answer is this. It's the ones who showed up afterwards, because it says later, the disciples and, and the others showed up to Jesus, and they asked him this question. They said, what does this mean? And so we know this. We know that the ones who had ears to hear are the ones who said, we are hungry, Jesus, to know more about what you said back there. Let me just help you out with church. It is, it is not enough just to come to church and hear a message. It's not enough just to come to church and just hear a message. It, it, it is it, it, the, a message and what God has to say from a platform, from a pulpit, whatever, will only benefit you as much as you have hunger to understand it. Can I have a better amen than that? In other words, in other words, if, if we're hungry to say, listen, God, I'm grateful for that message that Pastor David preached, but I want to know the deeper part of what you have to say to me about that. I'm telling you, there's a genius that lives on the inside of all of us. His name is the Holy Spirit, and he'll begin to speak to you and help you understand on a deeper level than what you got just listening to in that moment. Can somebody say amen to that? 
Sometimes we're just, we're like, oh, the pastor, just let's see what he's got today. You know, listen, and got our scorecards. Oh, pastor, that was a seven today. But listen, we've got to determine that we're going to be hungry for what God has to say to us. Listen to us on an individual basis. Praise God. That was not really in my notes, but there you go anyway. All right. So, so Jesus preached this message, and then he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. In, in Mark chapter 4, verses 10 through 15, write that scripture reference down because we don't have it on the screen. Write the scripture reference down. Go back and read this uh, on your own time. In verse 11, he says this, and he said unto them, Jesus is, is responding to uh, the disciples' question in regards to what he said, and they wanted clarity. He, he said to them, uh, to you has been given, to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, to know the mystery. So, so they showed up, they asked about what he preached about. And Jesus said, okay, guys, I'm giving you the mystery to the kingdom of God. Now that the kingdom of God, when, when you read that again, sometimes people, they're like, what does that mean? This kingdom thing mean, what is that? What is that all about? And it's really pretty easy to understand. So from the, the old covenant, from Genesis to Genesis to Malachi, which covers about 4,000 years, right? Uh, God's people had really gotten their um, religion really dialed in with God, right? So everything, everything from, from, from Genesis to Malachi was very much grew to be something that was very much temple oriented. So there was a temple and, and God, God's presence, uh, the temple represented a place where God's presence was at. And it was very limited, the number of people that could go in there, very limited in regards to, it was only just a very few, the high priest could go in. And, and so, so the, 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 the people's relationship with God was very, very distant. And so when Jesus came, Jesus was like, hey, we're changing this thing up. And here's what's going to happen. There's going to be this new temple, but it's not going to be a temple of buildings. It's not going to be a temple of stones. It's not going to be, it's not going to be that kind of temple. Uh, Jesus is saying this. He's saying there's this new thing that's coming. It's the kingdom of God. And it's not going to be in a building. But he said from this point forward, it's going to be in people. Everybody say people. It's going to be in people. And so the easiest way, when you read the kingdom of God, you read about it, the easiest thing, the easiest way to understand it is this. The kingdom of God, when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, what he's saying is this. He's saying from this point forward, this is how the will of God is going to be done. This is how the purpose of God is going to be released in the earth. From this point forward in time, God is not going to work through buildings, but God is going to work through people. Everybody say people one more time. You got to get this talking about uh, being on the same page with Jesus. And, and, and so, so, um, so he talked about the kingdom of law a, a, a ton. And the reason that he shared that is because he knew that he had to get people on the same page as him. Because he was going to be on the earth about three and a half years. And so he wanted to make sure that he had people that were on the same page because he still had a plan and he still had a purpose that was going to continue even after he left. Are you guys with me? I know I'm diving kind of deep, but just stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Okay. And, and, and so, so he, 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 he had to, 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 uh, to clarify exactly what was going. And here's why. Because if Jesus knew if there was clarity, listen to me, there could be progress. If, if there was clarity, there could be what? There could be what? Progress. How many of you know just because you've got movement in your life, it doesn't mean that you've got progress in your life? 
In other words, in other words, you can have a bunch of movement and it can be so busy, just be crazy busy. But then, you know, at some point you can stop and you can look and you go, you know what? I'm not any further in life than I was 10 years ago. In other words, I was busy, I'm expending all this energy, and I'm doing all these things, but then you, you, you stop and you go, but I've had no progress. How many of you know life is too short to be busy but not have progress? I'm going to say that again. Life is too short just to be busy with life but not have any progress in life. So, so Jesus brought clarity so that there could be progress. Jesus brought clarity so we wouldn't end up in places that he never intended for us to end up in. How many ever got lost before? Is anybody here? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm used to be pretty good at getting lost. I mean, I was just, because my mind, I can be walking somewhere and my mind is in like 74 different directions. Is there anybody that's like that? Uh, you know, a walk into like a Sam's club or something, a big store is not good for me. I mean, it is because I, I can be, I can be walking along and I'm like, Oh, let's go look at that. Yeah. And Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. And then the basket, when you get done, that's not good, right? You walked in there for one and you came out with 17 things. And so, it's easy to just go be going through life and not have clarity and end up in places that you never really intended to be. But 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 there's this one guy in the Bible. He's really one of my heroes. His name is Paul, and he knew about progress and he knew about clarity. He knew the value of of clarity. Listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter three verses thirteen and fourteen. He says, "Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this. Watch this. But I've got my eye on the goal. There's clarity." He said, I've got my eye on the goal. In other words, he says, I've got clarity. Watch this. Where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. Watch this. Listen to this next part. He says, I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. In other words, again, I'm off and I'm running. I've got clarity. I'm moving a certain direction. I'm, I'm, I've got the, 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 the direction I need to go. I'm off and running towards the goal. And I'm, what, I'm not getting distracted by anything that's going on around me. I'm, I'm, I've got that clarity and I've got a goal and I'm, I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving forward. That is a picture of an individual that's on the same page that Jesus is on. That's got the, uh, got, got clarity. They, they've got the focus and they're moving forward because they're on the same page that Jesus is on. And so I said all of that to get to this point. I want to share three traits with you of what it looks like. To be on the same page that Jesus is on. Three traits of an individual. And I want you to measure your life. I want you to measure just where you are today by these three traits. All right. And the first trait is this. The first trait of an individual that's on the same page that Jesus is on. Let me just say it this way. That is a kingdom minded person. They're a kingdom minded person. Their their, their purpose on life in life is about God's purpose for their life. They're, they're kingdom minded. They're on the same page with Jesus. Here is the first trait that they are, they are open minded. A kingdom minded person or a person that's on the same page with Jesus, they're open minded. Now, when I say open minded, if I could read your mind, you could probably have a different idea than what I'm going to communicate to you this morning about being open-minded because, and we, I mean, rightly so, because a person with an open mind means that they're just open to different ideas. How many knows, how many have ever been around a closed-minded person? I mean, it's just like, they're not going to change. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's always been this way. And it's, it's all, yeah, drives me up the wall. But, 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 
but but I'm not talking about just a person who's who is open to different ideas. I'm talking about a person that is eternally minded. I'm talking about a person that's et- eternally minded. Listen, an eternally minded person doesn't focus as much on the immediate as they do the ultimate. Because if we're not open-minded, what happens is, is that we focus more on the immediate instead of the ultimate. How many of you know that there is a life after this life? How many is, let me just, okay, we are in church, right? How many in the room believes that there is a life after this life? Okay, thank you. Just want to make sure. Um, and, 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 and so we, we spend a lot of time focused on the immediate, trying to get the kids raised, trying to get their college paid for, trying to get through college, uh, trying to pay the bills, trying to keep the business going, trying to, you know, we're, we're so focused on the immediate, the short term, that we lose focus in regards to the ultimate. But I believe it's a mistake. I believe that we need to be focused on the ultimate more than the immediate. Why? Because we're going to spend more time in the ultimate than we will here in the immediate. Can somebody say amen to that? So there is a life after this one. There is heaven. There is a place after this place on the earth. I read this statement about um, heaven not long ago, and I loved it. I thought it was so good. Listen to this. Heaven is a real place. The more we know about it, the more we should anticipate it. The more that we know about it, the more that we should what? Anticipate. Now, listen, I've done a few funerals over my time, right? I've done a few. And, and so, I, and I know, you know, people are hurting and they're sometimes just looking for something to say. And, 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 and I get that. But, but sometimes, you know, I've heard people say, oh, you know, so-and-so referring to the person that's, you know, gone on to heaven. They're just probably, you know, they're probably looking over the edge of heaven right now looking at us. And I'm thinking, no, they're not. They're in heaven. They're not paying attention to what's going on here in the earth. I mean, listen to me. They're experiencing God in a way that they've never experienced God before. They're seeing Jesus for the first time in their life. They're seeing others that have gone before them. They're celebrating the goodness of God. They could care less about what's going on here on the earth because heaven is so great. Listen, we, we, sometimes we go, oh my gosh, you don't even talk about dying. Don't talk about going to heaven. Listen, we shouldn't be afraid of dying because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with God. You know, I love the old folks, man. They used to sing about heaven all the time. My, my grandmother, man, you, you started singing about heaven or I'll fly away. You know that one? Remember that one? I'm telling you, she was a Pentecostal lady. She, you better, if she was in church and we started to I'll fly away, you better get out of the way because she's going to start doing her little Pentecostal dance right there. You know, I mean, it was just, but, but we listen to me. We can't just focus on the immediate. We need to also begin to think, think about the ultimate because listen, there are times that life just stinks. Anybody ever been there? I mean, it's just like, it stinks. But you know what? When you begin to think about heaven, you go, you know what? This is all temporary. This is all temporary. Heaven is a real place. Uh, The day's coming where I'm not going to deal with any of these people. I'm not going to deal with any of this stuff because they may be in heaven, but they're all going to be changed and be more like me. But anyway, (laughs) so heaven is a real place. But listen to this next part. I, I love this. Heaven is a prepared place. Watch this. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. 
Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Talking about being eternally minded, being on the same page as Jesus. Heaven, listen, is a prepared place for prepared people. So I got a question for you this morning. I want you to, I want you to, I want, don't answer it out loud. Are you prepared or are you preparing for heaven? Now, here's what you're probably thinking. Well, I'm prepared because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. What do you mean prepared? Let me, let me share a couple of scriptures with you. And let me just cast a little different shadow on the thought process that you probably just had. The question is, are you prepared for heaven? Here's Jesus, what Jesus said about heaven. Matthew 5, 12 says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward where? That's right. It is. Yes, look at you go. You're a genius. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward where? I got a question for you or a thought for you. Is your reward something that you earn or not? A reward is something that you earn. And Jesus said this. Jesus said, in heaven, there will be what? Rewards. So rewards are something that you you earn. Now, you're like, Pastor John, I thought we were saved through grace, by faith, by faith. through. I thought, are you saying that you can earn your way to heaven? No. No. Your place in heaven is secured through your faith in the work of the cross. Your place. But listen to me. The Bible talks about rewards that come. That we will receive when we get to heaven. And those rewards are based on how we conduct our life now. It got really quiet in here. <laughs> right? Talking about being eternally minded. Let me, let me give you another scripture. Revelation twenty two twelve. Jesus See, I'm coming soon, and I am bringing with me the reward I will give everyone, watch this, for what he has what? For what he's done. So the question is this, again, are you preparing for heaven? Are you living a kingdom life that says what I do and how and what I give my life to here on this earth? Am I living my life in a way that is conscious and I'm focused on the way that I live my life and the way that I allow God use me on this earth affects my rewards that are in heaven? So a kingdom-minded person thinks with an open mind and thinks about eternity and the life that is to come. Thank you, Pastor John, for coming down here and sharing that because I really need to hear that. Amen. The second one is this. A kingdom-minded person has an open heart. A kingdom-minded person has an, an open heart. So 
So Jesus, um, Jesus, when he came to the earth, he set the standard for following him, right? He, he, he determined and he set the standard. And, and, and so, um, again, I, I, I talked a moment ago about the, we've redefined Christianity to make it to be more fitting and comfortable for us. But I, I think the most accurate way to describe our relationship with Jesus and what it's to be like is the way he defined it in regards to people following him. And, and so Jesus made this statement and, and he said this about following him and sort of the standard for what it likes to follow him. Matthew 16, 24 says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to be a follower of mine, stop there. If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, how many believe that it is a really amazing thing to follow Jesus? Right. I mean, we, 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 we talk about it and we, 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 we think about it sometimes. We man, it's so great to be a follower of Jesus. And it's so amazing. It's so exciting to be a follower of Jesus. And and so I, and it is I'm not taking anything away from that. But I think what we have to do is dive a little bit deeper into being a follower of Jesus, which is, is in this next uh, part of this verse. Jesus says, OK, if you're going to be a follower of mine, which is amazing, it's incredible. It's a wonderful experience. It's a great life. But why? this. He says to let him deny himself. Now I spent, I spent some time this week studying this phrase right there, deny himself. And, and I studied it and guess what I found out? Guess what I found out it means to deny himself means to do what? It means to deny himself. (laughs) That, That means, that means when I want to do something, but Jesus wants me to do something else. That I, I, I want to say this, or I, I want to have this attitude, because I am an American, and oh boy, we got attitudes, right? I, 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 I want to have this attitude, but Jesus says, no, you, you're not allowed to have that one. Or I, I, I want to have my way to, to live my life this way, and because it feels good, it feels right, but, but then Jesus says, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to deny yourself. And then he didn't stop with deny himself. He went on to say to take up his what? Cross. Now, now for, you know, today, believers, when they think about the cross, that's like, oh, that's Jesus. That's Christianity. But, but to first century believers, when, when they heard the word cross or they thought about the cross, they knew exactly what that meant. They're like, something's got to die. In other words, sacrifice, sacrifice is required. It is so quiet in here this morning. Sacrifice is required. Sometimes we struggle with that one, right? Because we don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to deny ourselves. But Jesus said, if you're going to follow him, these are the standards. Right? And, and so, so we don't like that. And the reason sometimes we don't like that is we do not understand the biblical definition of sacrifice and what it really looks like and what it really means. Listen. Um, I'll help you out with this sacrifice thing. It, it makes it a little bit easier to swallow. Sacrifice is trading something good for something better. With God. Sacrifice is trading something good, what? For something, what? Better. I'll, I'll, give, I'll, give, you, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, one, right? So Mary 
the mother of Jesus before she became pregnant with Jesus. So she's just, she's engaged to be married. So she's got this great uh, life ahead of her. She's got her dreams. It's going to be a great wedding. It's going to be a great life with Joseph. It's going to be amazing. And then Gabriel steps in and he said, look, you got, you got a, you got a, you got an opportunity here. You, you can play such an amazing part, an incredible part in the role of God's plan for humanity. You're going to give birth to the Messiah. Do you know what she did? She had to sacrifice something. She had to deny herself something. She had to deny herself her future. Watch this. For the future that God had for her. The, the, the going to be married and going to be a new mom, you know, going to be married, going to be a mom. It's going to have my own little house. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. She denied that to pick up God's plan for her life. Now, let me ask you at the end of the day, what did she do? She sacrificed something good, her life, to get married, just have a regular life. That was good. Nothing wrong with that. But she chose something what? She chose something something better. Give you another example. What about the, the rich young ruler? Now, he, he didn't pass the test. The rich young ruler that came to Jesus one day, and, and he said, Hey, Jesus, I want to get in on your life. This is what I want to do. I want to get in on your life. And I want, to, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, fine, come on. This is what I want you to do. This is what I need you to do. I need you uh, to follow the commandments. I need you to follow the commandments in the law. And, 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 and so, so um, Jesus listed off several of them. And as, as, as Jesus is listing them off, the young man is like, all right, uh, do not kill. I, I don't do that. Do not steal. I don't do that. Do, do not bear false witness. I don't do that one. And, and so, so he's listening to the ones that Jesus is listing off. And, and, and the, 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 rich, the young guy was like, yeah, I've done all of those since I was a youth. And so then you remember what Jesus did then? Jesus said, okay, well, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to sell all that you've got. And I want you to give it to the poor. Then you can come follow me because you'll have and you'll have some treasures in heaven. What happened? The young, uh, the rich young ruler said, nah, sorry, I don't think I can do that. Right. And then he turned around and he left Jesus and Jesus is still standing there. Watch this. Jesus did run after him. Jesus didn't say, I want to change my mind. I don't want to negotiate because Jesus loved him way too much to do any of that. Because what Jesus was doing is that, let me tell you what Jesus was not doing. Jesus was not after that young man's money. See, sometimes people can be like, those preachers are all after their money. They're just preachers. They're just all after. And look, Jesus was after his money. That's what Jesus was after. Listen to me. Jesus was not after his money. Jesus was after his heart. Jesus was trying to get him to open up his heart because you had this other guy named Peter that was standing over there and he's listening to all this. And when he heard all the sell, all to the sell, give and do all that stuff. So later, it's, it's an interesting study. Go back and read it. Uh, Peter, Peter asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, uh, don't you remember? We kind of left everything. Remember, I had some boats and I had some nets and I had a fishing business and we left everything. And Jesus said, yeah, you're exactly right. And he said, not only are you going to be blessed in the life that is to come, but you're also going to be blessed in this life too. So Jesus was not opposed to this young man having money. But here's what Jesus was trying to do. Jesus was trying to get that young man to open up his heart because if he had control of his heart, he had control of his what? Life. Here's what he was trying to get him to do. He was trying to get him to trade something good for something better. But he didn't pass the test. Sacrifice is trading something good for something better. A kingdom-minded person has a 
an open mind, thinks eternally. They have an open heart. They're willing to sacrifice. They're willing to trade something good for something better. I've probably, I'm sure I've probably told this story before, but I remember um, when Sandy and I, not long after Sandy and I got married, um, hunting season was coming. I mean, it was like, and for me, I grew up hunting and fishing, and I loved, loved to hunt and fish. I mean, loved to hunt and fish. Really more hunting than, than anything. I mean, when hunting season was getting close, it was like Christmas for me. And at the end of hunting season, I mourned. It was like, oh, how can I wait another, you know, seven, eight, nine months, whatever it was. And so I just absolutely loved it. And so hunting season was getting close, and I was all excited about hunting. And, and I would talk about it, but, you know, Sandy just wasn't there with me. She was like, uh, you know, it's just like she would just get kind of quiet. I'm like, what is wrong? You know, she's not as excited as I am about this thing. And I know, she, you know, I knew, you know, growing up, she, she grew up, her dad hunted. So I knew, was pretty sure she wasn't anti-hunting. And I was thinking, did we not talk about this in premarital counseling about, you know, <laughs> like interest and things like this? And she never brought that up, you know. And, 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 and so finally I asked her, I said, Sandy, what, what's wrong? What, what is, what's, what's bothering you about this hunting thing? And she said, well, she said, you know, dad hunted, you know, when, and growing up. And, and it seemed like during the hunting season that mom was just like, kind of like a single mom. And, and, and I, um... Uh, I was, he was never around. And, and she said, I'm just really struggling. She said, but I know you love it. I know you, I, w- I know you want to hunt and I'm not going to ask you not to hunt, blah, blah, blah. So when she's telling me this and in my heart, and I, at first I thought it was the devil. I, I, I just knew for sure this has got to be Satan talking to me. This has got to be the evil one right here. But when she's saying this, I knew in my heart, I knew in my heart, the Holy Spirit said, um, you got, you're going to, you got to stop hunting, quit it. Again, I'm like, devil, get thee behind me. That cannot be God. But I knew for sure it was, it was, it was God. And so um, I, I told her, I said, well, I'm just going to stop hunting. No, 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 don't, don't do that. She, I said, no, Sandy, I'm telling the Lord told me to stop hunting. And, and I, I did. I stopped. I, I sold everything I had or gave everything I had away to do with hunting. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even have a camouflage T-shirt left. And I had tons of stuff, right? Because if I knew if I had just a camouflage T-shirt somewhere, at some point during the, in the future, I'm going to come across that camouflage T-shirt. And it's going to be like, you know, that thing shouldn't stay in the drawer. I should get it out and wear it. And if I'm wearing it, I should be hunting and if I got a camouflage t-shirt, I'm going to go hunting. I need another gun. And I, I knew me. I knew me. So I had to just like stop it. And so, you know, we, we just do going life, do going forward with life. We, 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 you know, ministry, we moved overseas. And years later, we, we ended up um, uh, living out in Wyoming. Now, if you know anything about hunting, um, that part of the country in the lower 48 is some of the best hunting on the planet. I mean, there are people in the lower 48 that spend or save years to go out there and hunt, like on a seven-day, you know, big game hunt or anything, uh, things like that. So I, I realized that, you know, man, this is so amazing that I get to live out here. And honestly, when I, we were praying about going out there, hunting honestly never entered into my mind. I promise it never did. It did not enter into my mind. Uh, we loved outdoors and we, we were focused on that, but not really hunting. And so I get out there and I got, I got to start hunting again. I did start hunting again and got to experience some great things. And I've, I've talked about that and I've thought about that over the years. And, and I, always, I always thought, you know, I traded something good in the early years of our ministry for something better. And 
I always put it together. I always thought it was this. For years, I thought it was this. That the better was that I, I, I sowed a seed by giving up hunting. And I reaped a harvest of getting to live in some of the best hunting in the lower 48. But then I realized that's not what I traded. That was not the better part. Th- that wasn't the better part. The better that I traded for was the security that my wife did not have to compete with anything, including hunting, for first place. Now, I know some men are in the room going, God, please don't speak that to me. (laughs) It's my conviction, my story, not yours, okay? All right. But, But having an open heart is being willing, being willing to trade something good to surrender to trade something good for something better the last one i'm going to wrap up this morning with an a kingdom-minded person a person that's on the same page with jesus they have an open mind they have an open heart but they also have open hands they also have open hands and an open-handed person has this attitude I refuse to be obsessed with what I possess. I refuse to be obsessed with what I possess. It's a posture that says this. Everything I possess is owned by God. If I have it, God gave it to me. They live, we live an open, kingdom-minded person. They have an open-handed posture that says, if I possess something, God gave it to me. If I possess something, God owns it. There's this guy in the Bible that got this. His name was John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist was a pre-runner to to Jesus. Their lives and ministries overlapped, right? So John the Baptist, his ministry started before Jesus. And so John the Baptist was called John the Baptist because John baptized people. And so there were, there were just thousands of people that were flocking to John the Baptist's ministry. I mean, he was just, I mean, that ministry was rocking. I mean, it was rolling. People were just coming from all over the place. They're following John the Baptist. He's got all these disciples. It's just, just an amazing thing. I mean, he's got the social media is going, uh, social media is going, Facebook's going. He's got, uh, he's got Instagram going. He's got TikTok going. He's got it all going. I mean, he's just breaking records. And then one day his disciples come to him and, and, and they say, hey, hey, John, listen, I don't know if you know, but this Jesus guy that you've been talking about sometime, he's over on the other side of the river. And there are folks that are just following him now. And, and they're people that were following us. They were just with us now. Now uh, they're, they're over there with him. And I love what John the Baptist said, how he responded in this. Recorded in John three twenty seven, And John said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from what? So here's what John was saying. He was saying, all this that you see around, God gave it to me. And he, he said, I don't really have it. It's not mine because I'm open, holding it with an open hand. You see, ownership is an illusion. 
ownership is an illusion. I've done, I've done some funerals in my day. And I've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. Never. I was talking to a guy not long ago, and he was not bragging. He was celebrating. I thought it was worth celebration. Man, he paid for his house, got his house paid off, and, and he's got his truck paid off. And I was like, man, that's awesome. That's great. I said, but it's still not yours. He said, what do you mean? It's not mine. I got the title on the house. I got the deed on the line. I got it. It's mine. I said, it's not yours. I said, don't pay your taxes on it. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to take it because it's not yours. I said, here's my point. Nothing you have is yours. You may think it's yours, but it's really not. A kingdom-minded person thinks that way. They live with an open hand. God, what do you what do you want me to do with this? It's yours. Give me that chair right there, real quick. Could you? I know it's probably connected. There you go. I hadn't thought about this in thank you a while. Up until a few weeks ago. <clears throat> For some reason, I had this, this memory came back to me of when I was 12 years old. And I was at my last year of kids camp. The last year I could be in kids camp. After that, I would go to, to youth camp. But, and I had been to kids camp for several years. And Kids camp was always the same. It was like usually four nights, you know, five days, four nights. And they always built, right? The nights always, service was always built to the, the fourth night was always like the Holy Ghost night. It was the Holy Spirit night. It was just, worship was real great. The presence of God was just so, so strong. And it was just, it was always seemed to work out that way. And it was that fourth night, I'm 12 years old. And I just remembered that, that I'm, I'm sitting there. And, and it's at the end of the sermon and the worship's been, it's ministry time. It was great. The presence of God was just so, so strong in that room. And I'm sitting in um, a building. It was just a concrete floor, a metal chair. And I remember just the presence of God being just so amazingly strong. And I remember at 12 years old, I remember realizing that my life was to be given to what I'm doing today. At 12 years old. I didn't know what to do with it. But I knew at 12 years old. That this is what I was supposed to be doing. And I'm thinking about how that. I'm crying. I'm experiencing God's presence. And I'm thinking that. Somebody opened their hand. To pay for that concrete. Somebody opened their hand. To pay for that concrete. Somebody opened their hand to pay for that old metal chair that I was in. Somebody had opened their hand so that I could be in a building and experience that type of experience. Are you following this? Somebody opened their hand. Somebody was kingdom minded. you know that somebody opened their hand so that you could be in this place right now? 
somebody was kingdom minded. And do you know what's going to happen in the life that is to come? You know what's going to happen? The rewards that are going to come because they were open handed. And, and see, the resources that we have, everything that we have, honestly does not belong to us. You can believe it is, but it's an illusion. But a kingdom minded person says, God, what do you want me to give? What do you mean to do with what I have? And every time I, th- I thought about that since that moment, since then, I thought, man, of all the things that we've got to do, all the stuff that we've got to see, the, the marriages that we've seen change, the lives that we've seen change, the different countries that we've got to preach the gospel in, it all started because somebody had an open hand. Now, you, you probably, maybe you're, th- I hope you're not thinking this, but you could be going, you, you pastors, you're always trying to get us trying to get me to do something. You're just saying this because you want me to do something. It's not true. We're just trying to get you to be something. Not do something, just be something. To be open-minded. To be open-hearted. But also to be prepared for a day that every believer every believer will experience it's the day that we stand before Jesus the day that we stand before Jesus and he says what did you do with your life tell me what did you do with your life and we want you to be prepared to pass the test to pass the test So that when he looks at you, he's like, because he already knows, right? It's not like you're going to tell him and he doesn't know. He's going to look at you and he's going he's to be like, you had an open mind. You thought about eternity. You thought about this moment then. You thought about it. You lived your life in light of where you are right now. You live for the ultimate. You just didn't live in the immediate. Then here we go. And you had an open heart because when I asked you to trade something good for something better, you did it. And then he's going to say, and you also had an open hand. Because you see all these other people here. And I have to believe this is going to go down like this. It's going to be even so much better than this. I believe he's going to look at you and he's going to start doing this. You did great. You, you did great. You were eternally minded. You didn't just think about the immediate. You thought about the ultimate. You lived your life that way. So, I've got this final question. Whose page are you on? Whose page are you on? Are you on your own page? Or are you on Jesus? Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus.